Hello, and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Actually, today, I am your host, Alan Ziegler. You may remember me from such episodes as Band on the Run and the Classic Rock Roundtable. Today, we will be flipping the script and putting your regular host in the hot seat to bring his favorite album to the table. You know, Steve, as the host of podcasts, Music Rewind and Cinema Decon, and also the creator of the Sidereal Media Group. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Al. Good to be here, as I usually am. I will say it's definitely a lot more nerve wracking than I thought it would be bringing my album to this. Really? Well, I hope we can uh, get into some of that. I I mean, been racking my brain and once, especially once I narrowed it down to the one that I wanted to talk about, because it's, it's a deep album and it's going to be a good conversation. I will tell you that I have listened to this probably close to 10 times since we discussed this thing and I love this album. I don't know how I live without it for this long. So I'm just going to say that. Um, All right. So let's jump right into this. Um, What is your favorite album and how did you discover it? No album for me has had a bigger impact on my musical life than Pink Floyd's Animals. From the very first time I heard it to each time I listen to it, you know, which is a few times a week, really. It's just my go-to. I'm putting it on. It's just 40 minutes of awesome. It's almost like one gigantic 40-minute track almost. And then it has so many layers of the music conception, the lyrical conception, the album conception. Just There's so much that went into this album, and it's almost a hidden gem amongst the Pink Floyd albums when it was right there in the midst of their golden period. I agree. I think that's might've been part of the reason why I missed it because it's kind of between dark side and the wall. Well, you know, it's in between wish you were here and the wall. Wish you were Well, literally. Yeah. But I guess for me, yeah. From the, you know, you have the dark side, you know, that's just iconic. And then the wall, which, to me was more accessible to probably most people it's not quite as um sprawling in the tracks they're a little bit more concise i think and i think that helped a lot of people out to get them to bring them to pink floyd and i think that's kind of where i stepped in yeah it's it gets overlooked by a lot of people because of the length of the tracks i mean you've got five tracks and three of them are over 10 minutes long right and and to me, I love that, but that it's, there's no radio hits on there. No. There's, there's nothing really, when I say five songs, it's really four songs because things on the wing as it yeah, bookends it. And it's really just one long track that they split up. We're not, no, right. it's one short track that one, they split up. I was going to say, yeah, compared yeah. to the other ones, it's really short. Um, so did, did someone specific turn you on to this album or, or Pink Floyd in general? 
so the way I discovered this album, I, I have to go back to my high school days. Uh, we had a garage in Spring Valley at uh, my cousin's house, the, the Hanks. And it was at this place that we hung out there for several years. This was our place during my high school years. Great times, fond memories of all of us just hanging out in the garage, listening to so many types of music. Uh, this is where things that were brought to the table or brought to the garage, for that matter. It's where we learned about Ozzy and Pantera, Soundgarden, lots of Smashing Pumpkins, uh, lots of just every single type of rock genre. We didn't go outside of rock, but it was... So there were uh, several people and they had different tastes or were you kind of all in the same we general were, area? We were all in that same general area of discovering rock music. I mean, during the 90s, it was a great time to discover rock music. You had yeah. all of grunge at your fingertips. You had so much new stuff coming out. And then my cousin, uh, Chris, who, who was several years older than us, he had, uh, he was a guitar player himself, is a guitar player. He would bring in these albums that we had never heard before, uh, such as OK Computer and other yeah. things, you know, things that were just kind of out of our realm. And that's where we got into Pink Floyd. And as with everyone else, almost across the planet, Dark Side was the, you know, the gateway drug of, yeah. Of Pink Floyd. Definitely. And, yeah. and it was mind blowing, especially when you sit and listen to it over, you know, the course several times over the course of a night and several beverages, et cetera. And then, okay, well, there's also this one, Wish You Were Here. Oh, what's that? Well, it's got that one song you always hear on the radio. Yeah. Okay. What else does it have? And then you, then you start <laughs> to discover it, it's when I say Dark Side was the gateway, because Dark Side is a fantastic album but it's just a small piece of when they really clicked because mm -hmm. then wish you were here also. And then you go backwards and you've got metal, which is a 75% fantastic album. <laughs> I say 75% because yeah. it's got echoes, which is amazing. And then you've got yeah. fearless and one mm. of these days, but then you've also got a dog howling on Seamus <laughs> and then a right. pillow of winds and <laughs> the rest of that album is kind of unlistenable, but it echoes makes up for it. Thank goodness for CDs uh, on, on that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's not one I can listen to all the way through. I, can, I'll, I will generally skip straight to Echoes, and I listen to Echoes a lot. But then often people will say, and then there's The Wall. Like, yes, The Wall is fantastic. I mean, it, it was, uh, we didn't have the benefit of like Wikipedia and everything at that time. We really weren't Googling stuff. We weren't getting at that. So we actually, just by... Uh, reading guitar magazine and reading other yeah. things of that nature, we found out, well, what's this animals? We missed one. And then we finally found a copy on CD, put it in. Some of the guys liked it. I was mesmerized. It what? was just, where has this been all my life? So how, so how does it speak to you? Like the lyrics, instrumentation, production, what's, what speaks to you about this album so much? Oh, that is, that is definitely a loaded, loaded question. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pink Floyd in general is a major part of my life. And Animals is kind of the peak of that. I even wrote my high school senior year research paper on Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. Yeah, my, my teacher wrote literally A, cross it out, and put C, don't like the subject material. <laughs> oh, man. You still have it? It could be in a box in my parents' house somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you bust that out and read it to us someday. Yeah, now I host a podcast. Take that, Mrs. Bittner. 
yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> so <laughs> with animals, one of the things that, that really drew me to it was the, the lyrical content in that this was different than all the other animals. This was Pink Floyd at its most angry. So with all yeah. the other animals, I'm sorry, with all the other albums, you, yeah. you got this sense of, you know, with songs like Shine On You Crazy Diamond, it's very atmospheric, very almost heavenly, same with yeah. Echoes. Whereas this one, it, it lulls you at the beginning and then bam, those lyrics are, are curt and specific. <laughs> They're very vicious, yeah. Definitely. And, and I love that. And it made me want to find out more. Like, why were these lyrics so angry? Why? I, it really made me research. It, it actually developed my research skills that I, that I use today uh, for my regular job and other things. So I was, I was reading books on Pink Floyd. Uh, the book uh, Saucer Full of Secrets, uh, yeah. sitting on the shelf over there. It was a, a, a fantastic amount of information on all of the Pink Floyd albums. And then that got me into their deep history, getting into Piper at the Gates of Dawn, Sid Barrett. Who's Sid Barrett? Okay, now I got to learn about him and his influence right. on the band. Then you start learning about the odyssey that is Pink Floyd. And you're talking from the Sid Barrett days to his fading out, David Gilmore coming in. And then there's the albums of the uh, kind of they're trying to find their own sound. And then it all yeah. clicks on Dark Side. So Dark Side and Wish You Were Here, you've got everything pumping on all cylinders. And then stardom hits them. Yeah, they're no longer uh, really in control of, of their tours and things that are happening. Right. And then the, there's also this political landscape of England that is starting to influence them. The changing musical landscape of England. You've got punk, uh, Sex Pistols and other things. Different things are being thrown around once you get into the 70s. And animals was their reaction to that they were just very angry when i say they i mean roger waters right i mean and this is really lyrically this is kind of the start of him taking over wouldn't you yes. say absolutely uh and that caused some major strife in the whole band uh if you look at dark side wish you were here you've got all four names all over right. uh, as far as writing credits Rick Wright was, as the keyboardist, was almost completely shut out of this album. Nick Mason on, on percussion was really just happy to be there. He was doing whatever yeah. he was told. But he was always the laid back guy throughout the whole thing. He's actually the only member of Pink Floyd to be a founding member from start to finish. Mm, he's the Ringo of the group, is what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and then Rick Wright gets fired. During the wall. Yeah, so... Yeah, he got fired during the wall, and then they hired him for the tour as a session keyboardist to be on stage. Yeah. That's yeah, just that's, cruel. That's Because yeah. he's a genius in his own right. And I have all kinds of notes here about Rick Wright on this album as far as his keyboard and organ work. It's a main point in this album as far as that caused the strife that made him write the wall and then the final cut, but and which led to Rick leaving the band. Rick had no... Concept songs to bring to the album, but he wrote right. a decent amount of music on these songs. David Gilmore has said that he wrote seventy percent of the music on this album. Yeah, but if you look at the writing credits, all you see is Waters yeah. on each track, and then yeah, David Gilmore and Roger Waters on Dogs. Yeah, and even though the you know Gilmore not writing as much, I mean you can't underestimate that musical contribution though that he 
brought to this album. I mean, those the sounds of the guitar, just amazing, amazing guitar sounds. Yeah, and the bringing in the talk box and doing, yeah. doing things with with making animal sounds with the guitar and, and with the <laughs> yeah. different accessories. I mean, that's that was innovative stuff for for that time, and it was completely just kind of glossed over. And, and when I say this album brings me in lyrically, it, it fascinates me to the hypocrisy of it all. And, and as far as Roger Waters, he wrote this against these. Uh, it, so the original animal farm, animal farm was uh, a take against the you know Bolshevik communism, right? Socialism, yeah. For those out there that haven't read it, you should. Yeah, definitely. He reworked this to be instead of the communism take, it's a take on the capitalist nature and corrupt politicians overall. That's that's definitely paraphrasing. It's it's a lot deeper, but that's that's the gist of it. Yeah, you know the the power hungry up top, and without realizing it, he himself was becoming that power hungry within the group and driving everybody out. Exactly. And that that fascinates. And I didn't you 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 listen to it and you hear these lyrics, but by reading all that research, you find out what's going on behind the scenes. It's like wow, there's just so much. Yeah. So how how does the album flow to you, like, straight through listen, track jumping? I mean, there's only five songs, so there's probably not a whole lot of track jumping on this one. So uh, so walk me through it, let's, or let's go through it, track by track. So I do listen to it all the way through quite often, uh, but there are times when I do want to hear dogs, pigs, or sheep. Those three songs, you know, the the very center of the album – I rarely right. listen. I rarely go to just pigs on the wing for the hell of it. It's, it's really just a, a short love song track one that opens the album and then bookends the album. Want the ring, which of the brothers to blame? And watching for pigs on the wing. It fits as far as the concept, you know, a shelter from pigs on the wing, you know, it's, it works, but it's not really relevant to the overall concept. But then you get into track two, you get this lyrical interpretation of the dogs and the dog in Roger Waters mind is someone that we've all met. It's the, the corporate type of person who is outwardly charming, you know, firm handshakes, easy smiles, but it's all a facade. In reality, the dog is empty inside, alone and unloved. And it's overall a cautionary tale of getting too deep into that world and what it'll get you. Because in this one, the dog ends up all alone dying of cancer. I thought when I first on my notes here, I, I have, I thought it was about band managers when I first listened to the, the, the very first. I could totally I see that. To I could totally um, see that because they, they had their issues with band managers as well. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it seemed to me like it was kind of the uh, super nice guy facade in the front and then the evil I'll take all your money and take all your fame on the, on the backside. So, I mean, I can see how it maybe could have been band managers, but in the bigger picture, I, I think I see what he's going for here. Yeah. And the, 
as far as the the lyrical content of what he's trying to do, he's really just taking that stab at everybody that's been fake, but just wants that power. Like, uh, what's that line? Um, you have to be trusted by the people that you lie to. Yeah. So that when they turn their back on you, you, you have the chance to st- put the knife in. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Specific and just cutthroat. <laughs> cutthroat is, is, is the exact way to say it. And, yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's, it's amazing how he puts all that in. This song actually was a contender for me for the, uh, in our round table for the best long track. When it comes in at 17 minutes, it's a, a great, great oh, yeah. long track. Yeah. It, musically, it has everything. It is the epitome of the Pink Floyd sound from the, the sound effects, the guitar effects, You've got electric guitar, acoustic, you got that organ playing, dual lead vocals, and then the Mm -hmm. deep lyrical interpretation. It's lots of tempo shifts. Yeah, they got the ebbs and flows, the tempo shifts. I mean, it's your classic Pink Floyd stuff. Yeah, about it it starts out very kind of slow, but builds up. And then at at about three and a half minutes, you've got a, a triple track of Gilmore's guitar is in harmony and it in the song just kind of takes off from there that part's amazing to me and then uh, I guess around the eight minute mark it kind of slows back down a little bit lots of synthy type sounds which and I'll admit, kind of loses me a little bit. And then, uh, but it doesn't last long because then about the 12 minute mark, you know, it, it picks back up. This is what we talked about with the Endless River, how they have several songs that do that. And you continue to be lost because they, it, it lulls you into slumber. It, don't, they don't, it doesn't kick back in with those lyrics. And this one does because halfway through, then Roger Waters takes over the lyrics and he starts singing about the regret of that life. Yeah. When um, and this is kind of a, a a weird thing, but the when I was in the army, you know, we would have very long marches to do, you know, ten minute marches, fifteen, twenty, thirty, just whatever. And if you had uh, if you had like a, a four mile ruck march to do, and you had to do that in about twenty minutes, I would actually in my mind be singing dogs because oh, wow. the 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 pace of it, everything just it kept me on that pace and I would finish right at the right time. Wow. Uh, it actually worked out well for me. And I listened to the song way too much uh, in high school. Obviously I was able to <laughs> remember every, <laughs> every chord, every, every word. Uh, but then yeah. that last verse always kind of kept me grounded because it wasn't what I wanted to be in the army. Cause that last one was, you know, it's about the guy who's completely broken, you know, mm. by everyone that's above him and by that life. You know, dragged down by the stone. I did not want to be that person in the military. So. No doubt. Or in life in general, right? Yeah, it still reigns true today. I mean, in corporate world where I'm at now, I mean, there's always the dogs there. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're all happy and smiles on the Zoom, but I've seen the Slack <laughs> messages. <laughs> so speaking of the higher-ups, what about track three, Pigs? <laughs> pigs 
the people at the top of the ladder with yeah. all the wealth and power. Uh, this song always reminds me of my friend Gary Nass because uh, he was a regular at our little garage in high school. Uh, he's in a band today. I should have looked up the band name. I'm sorry, Gary, but Gary need to get you on the show. And uh, he would, he always loved this song too, because uh, he would make us rewind because he's like, Oh yeah. Angry guitars. Loved the angry guitars. He loved that. They're surprisingly funky, though. It it starts off funky. And that's uh, likely due to David Gilmour taking the bass in this song. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, because it starts off funky in it. And he plays the the bass guitar as a kind of, he's a lead guitarist, so that's his style. Right. Oh, nice. Okay, that's cool. I didn't know that. And then, and then I have on my notes. It, it also ends funky, so it kind of bookends that that whole song. I like around the five minute mark when that talk box stuff happens. I mean, I yeah, big big fan of that. Um, any anybody that does it. Do you ever see those um, kind of reaction videos on YouTube where someone who's not normally listening to this type of music, you know, like they're a, a, a hip hop engineer or something, and they'll they'll actually listen to an old classic rock tune that they've never heard before and just it's a live reaction? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, there's a really good one um, by a, a guy named uh, Jamel, a.k.a. Jamal. Mm-hmm. His YouTube name. And mm-hmm. uh, at that point with the uh, – well, it's when the uh, – yeah, when the talk box, you, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. he actually stopped the video and he looks at the camera and goes, what the hell was that? Like, <laughs> in a good way. He was just, he was floored by that sound and he had no wow. idea what was making it. It was great. That's cool. This song is actually, uh, a side note, Roger Waters claims that the, the arpeggios, as far as the, he says Andrew Lloyd Webber stole that from him for Phantom of the Opera. Oh, jeez. And uh, he's not wrong. Oh, no. He is not wrong. He doesn't want to go through the legal stuff because he says he enjoys Phantom of the Opera. But mm-hmm. it's there. If you listen to him, it's there. Uh, this is Here's a side note. So Kenny Wayne Shepard stole um, Billy Preston's organ riff from Don't Bring Me Down. Really? That do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do for his um what's kenny wayne's uh blue on black yeah that's blue on that's so if you go to the very end of don't let me down wait don't bring don't let me down not don't, don't let me down me. from the beatles yeah don't let me down the very end when billy preston's doing his thing where he goes do 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 okay yeah that's, yeah. Blue, that's blue on black uh, i'm gonna have to listen to those now yeah Anyway, so I, I, I mean, I can pick, I can picture "Don't Let Me Down," but I'm trying to uh, I, "Blue on Black." I can think of the beginning, but I can't think yeah. of it at the end. Hey, well, anyway, you listen to it. everybody out there. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. But <laughs> it sounds the same to me. Okay, sorry. Back, back, no, cool. <laughs> back to back to pigs. Pigs. So in this one, Roger Waters is taking a name at the British politicians. 
I mean, that's right. just straight, straight shot yeah. at him. Name drops. Yeah. He, he name drops. Uh, well, he only name drops one person. Mary Whitehouse. Mary Whitehouse, which uh, up until I read the book, I always thought it was, he was taking aim at the U S white house. Right. I didn't know who Mary Whitehouse was. I had no reason to know who she was, but I guess she was like a crazy far right, you know, like Puritan level conservative mm-hmm. where she wanted kind of, just, she even hated Dr. Who kind of like a tipper gore for, for the yeah. U S. That's exactly right. Yeah. So real, real big on censorship. Uh, yeah. I'm sure she loved the sex pistols. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the second verse though, uh, which is pr- predominantly thought of to be against uh, Margaret Thatcher, where right. he, uh, he goes, says, you fucked up old hag. In our round table, you, you mentioned this, and the first thing I thought of, uh, that when bands in the 60s and 70s dropped F-bombs in their songs, it was deliberate, you know, there was a, a specific purpose to it. So this was, you know, to, to elicit that very specific, oh, yeah. damn, you know, it wasn't yeah. just every other line. Right. Like rap. So, so that always stands out to me. It's, I think, I'm pretty sure it's the only F-bomb on the album. And then you look at the wall, he drops some, some towards like the end with like Run Like Hell and stuff. Um, yeah. Where it's where he's being a you know dictator, you know his persona at the time. So it's all very specific and very uh, lyrically intentional. Yeah, and again, I mean, the guitar is just so spectacular for me. You know, being a former guitar player and just just loving the the tone, the sound. I mean, and just what he's doing there, it's just amazing. I love it. This is one where I think that the organ gets overlooked and then getting into sheep definitely but yeah. the, uh there's especially in the middle the the bass plus that organ uh really that that rhythm uh and then you get some cowbell in there yeah oh, wonderful yeah that's the uh, it's gets funky I even wrote that in my notes around uh, around the two minute mark. I wrote more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And again, it's that funky. Um, I don't know. It just it's not like funk funk. It's not like any other Pink Floyd song. It's just got that. It's got like a funky rhythm, you know, underscoring to it. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I really can't think of another Pink Floyd song that has that type of of almost yeah like a funk undertow to it. Mm-hmm. So what about Sheep, the next track? So Sheep, it grows on you over time. Uh, it, it's almost like you have to, and I'm not saying that you have to, uh, I, I don't want to enforce that on anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking of me. As I got older, I liked the song more and more, and I have it really on the same level as the other two songs, but I didn't always. It's that, again, that organ that organ at the yeah. beginning and then all throughout the song, but it, it, uh, it helped me grow a fondness of those types of, um, uh, those types of solos that get into like, like government mule and Dr. John galactic, right. those, those bands that, that do that. And it really, 
it complements everything else in the song quite well. And then the bass at the beginning is reminiscent of uh, one of these days from metal. And then towards the end of the song, it sounds like run like hell at pieces. And I think the first half of the song or so kind of sets the, or like a, it's like a template for the wall. It's like, to me, it's maybe they pulled some of this and somehow started doing stuff for the wall a few years later. I don't know, but it just has a feel, that same feel for me, the beginning of the song and then the wall. I, I don't know what it is specifically, but it just gives me that feeling. I, I absolutely agree. And I think a lot of that also might be the the lyrics in the way they're more theatrical uh, with the, the fading of his voice at times and the, and the, the, long, uh, uh, the long vocal numbers. And, and then you get to the, Lyrically, the sheep, all right, they are, mm-hmm. they are the masses, the sheeple, the people that are fo- fo- following blindly. And this right. is a major difference from the, the book Animal Farm, because in this particular song, the sheep actually revolt and take over and kill everyone. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, you can miss yeah. it. Yeah. I, I wrote that down at 755. The dogs are dead. Yeah, he comes right back in, you know, bleeding and babbling. We fell on his neck with a scream. It's like, holy shit. It just got real. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, they tell the lyrics say uh, say uh, have you heard the news the dogs are dead better stay off the road get back in your bed you know that's like the, the, the sheep take over and now we're in charge and then a little bit before that though if you back up a little um i wrote around 626 in the song the like a synth type voice says the lord is my shepherd and then it does that whole he goes thing. into a prayer yeah it's yeah. a little distorted it's hard to, to make out yeah and then uh, that leads into the dogs are dead. So that's kind of interesting in itself. You have that biblical I, verse. I think my favorite then, moment of, of the song, though, is at about a minute and, minute and a half in. Because you got that long organ solo to start it off with the sheep babbling mm-hmm. in the background. But yep. then right at a minute 20, it drops lower and is, it goes sinister on you. feel that that sinister change it starts out uplifting yeah it starts out the very beginning if you're listening to it on the headphones you can hear the sheep bleeding and you can hear actual birds singing yeah yeah and it ends that way too but then and that's over a minute of that so it's kind of like okay the the album's ending the sheep are just going to keep following and then but then that drop that drops a sinister is the word i keep coming to the way that organ sounds at that drop i love it yeah so um, what else do I have on that? The dogs are, I'm, I mean, again, it's just another great song with a bunch of sonic waves. Uh, what my buddy Luke say, it's like being in uh, Jello. It's like, 
That's a good uh, way to describe it. It's yeah. like a, what is sonic jello <laughs> with all the with all the the peaks and the valleys and the waves and the and the way the music just flows layers up and down in layers and layers so many layers yeah. yeah this track is a hidden gem on a hidden gem uh, sure. and if people don't listen to it all the way through as far because a lot of people will turn off sheep I mean after a minute or two it's just not their thing but this song actually rocks. Because once you get a couple minutes in, I mean, it's it's moving. It's it rocks. It definitely rocks in, in its own way. I mean, it's not like a. Well, yeah, it's know, not Pantera or anything, but in the, exactly. the vein of Pink Pink Floyd, it, it rocks. I, the the middle of that song, you know, I put it up there with say like like have a cigar sort of, and especially with you know, the angry the lyrics, the vicious yeah. lyrics. I mean, there's definitely some some serious hatred that Roger Waters is is trying to purge there. I think, and this is a good moment for me to mention it. Say Roger Waters, and this is my opinion he lived the life cycle of the animal on this album. And I don't know if he acknowledged it or even without noticing, you know, he was the sheep and then he became the dog. And then in the end, he was the pig. You yeah. Know, just whether he admits it or not, you know, from an outside point of view, now granted, amazing art and music came out of it from lyrics to music, to you know, visuals. You've got, you got amazing cover art. You've got amazing liner notes to uh, stage shows to right. the wall of the movie. I mean, there's so much that came out of it that's fantastic. But in the end, all of the actions of him and others drove that collective apart. Yeah. It's uh, or no, a life imitating art, right? It completely is. And I, I wonder if he's ever had some self-reflection on that. <laughs> Maybe maybe only with his therapist. Well, I mean, he's 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 uh, he's attacking capitalism, he's, but yet, I mean, he's still the one charging two grand for floor seats. Exactly. So, yeah. and I say I saw the wall live by Roger Waters. Still, the most amazing concert I've ever seen in my life. And mm -hmm. the visuals throughout it, there's there's things like uh, during uh, Goodbye Blue Sky. I don't know if you remember the, the from the movie. You know they, yeah. they drop crosses on England. Yeah, uh, animation. But mm -hmm. in in the stage show from Roger Waters, they're dropping corporate logos like Shell and BP and oh, Pepsi. Wow. And it's like, okay, are you using none of that? I was going to say, which one of those sponsored the concert? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like, <laughs> did, did all of this arrive on tr electric trucks? I mean, <laughs> what's you know, there's, there's a certain level of hypocrisy uh, it, own yourself in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He does a lot of good for the world. He does. You know, just, I just think that he is a little bit of a hypocrite. Yeah, definitely. But then, you know, in a way, most of the people that we've talked about are those guys are though. Right. I mean, it's like the old thing. How can you, play the blues how can you be a blues man when you're living in the gigantic mansion driving the brand new cars uh wearing the finest of clothes right i mean there's a certain point where you can't really speak to what you'd call the common person 
the worker bees the same way you did when you were first starting out. I mean, it's just, you can't do it. Yeah. But, and this may be biased. Cause I, uh, again, there's three sides to every story, right? I mean, right. You know, you never know the inside, but it always seems that David Gilmore and Nick Mason, you know, they had roll off the shoulder kind of attitude with it. You know, they stayed grounded. Whereas he kind of took over as the, well, the character in the wall. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was self-reflective, I think. So he definitely mm-hmm. had, he put himself on trial. I mean, so, okay. Right. Yeah, as I talk it out, I mean, maybe the wall definitely was, cause it was on the tour for, uh, for the, the animals tour, I think it was called in the flesh. That's where he, mm-hmm. he spit on a, uh, he spit on a concert goer in Montreal. And then when they left that concert, he said, I'm not going to perform again unless it's on the other side of a wall. <laughs> And yeah. he uh, he went and wrote it. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing story in itself. Yeah, they were, they were very unhappy with this whole with that whole tour because of it was it was now stadiums and it was the spectacle was over the music and just it wasn't what they started out doing. Right. So the last that would lead us to track five, the uh, ending track, which is kind of. Uh, part extension two. of the first track. Yeah, I, I would recommend anyone though go out to YouTube. It's out there. You can hear the the full version of this song with the yeah. uh, a long guitar. So- oh, I keep saying long with a <laughs> with an extended guitar solo bridging the two uh, together, and it's by Snowy White, uh, a touring guitarist for for Pink Floyd, excellent guitarist, and uh, that was mainly on the eight track. Nice to bridge that time gap there. But it's it's an excellent guitar solo. If you want to seek that out on YouTube, I recommend that. So what I think we kind of covered this, but what so what tracks track or tracks are your favorites on this album? It all depends on how I feel on a on a given day, really. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, uh, I will often just put this song on if if I can't think of something specific to listen to, I'll just hit play on the whole album. Um, but there are times when I'll, I, I want to hear pigs. I want to hear sheep. I'm, I, I've got a 20 minute drive. Let's, let me just put on dogs. You know, there's, that, all, that happens often. To me, what you just said, that is the beauty of a great album because the tracks, your favorite tracks change. You yeah, that's true. You, you don't just listen to, uh, I don't know, it's a bad example. You don't just listen to Stairway every single time you put on four or whatever. So if you have an album where there's multiple favorites, depending on the day, depending on the year, I think that kind of sums up what a great album is. Completely agree. And maybe it's a cheat kind of picking an album with only four songs on it. Yeah. (laughs) As far as, oh, there's no skippable tracks. Well, there's there's (laughs) There's only five songs. (laughs) Um, And we talked a little bit about the lyrics, but I mean, do you want to touch on any of the, that really just stand out lyric wise? I mean, we mentioned the on your throat lyrics and. Uh, Really the, the, the lyrics of dogs always stand out to me. Uh, The the first, the first half, because that's what most of us see in our day to day, either in our personal life or professional life. You're always going to run into those people that are just, you know, it's a fake smile. And so it it definitely hits. So, and again, self-reflective, I've done it myself. 
Absolutely. I mean, every, everybody's kind of had that moment where you have to put on that fake smile and, you know, get, get through the meeting or get through the, the situation. So it's, it's not a, uh, uh, it's not a dig at anyone, you know, currently in my life is it's just a, a part of corporate world, really. Yeah. There's, there's those faces that you have to put on at any moment of your day. It's actually one of the reasons I got out of the military was the cutthroat nature of, as you rise in the ranks, it got to the point of, I'm just not enjoying it anymore. And so it's, it was time for me to make a change. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, change is good. Change is yes. good. Um, so I was, I think about this a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. We were, me and my buddy Luke were talking about dire straits and I was telling them how over the years like there's certain bands that um, appeal to me more than they did you know several years ago and we were talking about why that is I mean do you do you have any thoughts on like I'll, I'll give you so my examples are were dire straits I mean, I was, I liked most of the songs you heard on the radio, but then I really, in the last, say, five, six years, got into them a lot. The band, I really, really got into them a lot. I was going to mention the band. My, well, my, the only other one was um, was Steely Dan. I, I didn't, I was not a huge Steely Dan fan. I, I don't know if I consider myself a huge one now, but I definitely listen to them more now than I ever did before. I, I, I agree. And it's definitely uh, a, your, your music tastes shift over the years. You, you appreciate more, you learn more about the skill and what goes into it. And I think as you mm -hmm. get older, you can appreciate that more, especially when you realize that you're not going to, uh, I'm talking me, you know, you, mm -hmm. you may still have a rock career ahead of you. I, I don't know where you're headed. <laughs> I but, don't think so. <laughs> but the, the skill of just playing a guitar, playing piano, writing a song, uh, doing all that, putting that poetry to music, doing all that is is a skill and a talent that I don't have, and I really appreciate the ones that do. Absolutely. Uh, but, but when I was younger, I didn't listen to the band. I, I had heard The Weight and Up on Cripple Creek, but I that, that's really... Yeah. They were, they were on WLRZ. That's all I kind of knew. Um, yeah. But as I got older, listened to more. And then you find some, you know, outstanding, you know, deep tracks like, like Arcadian Driftwood and, and stuff. And it's just there. Why, why was this never played? This is fantastic. Yeah. There's that great XM station, deep tracks. I listened to that a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where, where it's the, the non-radio yep. hits. Uh, yep. There's a lot of crap on there. A lot of crap. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they play way too much King Crimson, but that's my opinion. <laughs> the, uh, uh, but then, but you're going to find some, some great little tracks that you didn't know from like Tom yeah. Rundgren or, um, you know, Mott the Hoople and just some random bands that, yeah. Oh, that was good. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so like bands that I didn't appreciate when I was young, but do, but have really grown to love the, the band is top of that list. But uh, David Bowie didn't click with me when I was younger. That stuff came much later. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, uh, I was putting me on a spot, but the like when I was younger, it was it was Eagles, Queen, Credence, Pink Floyd. Yeah, and you've told me your opinion of Credence, so we won't go there. Just that one, just Proud Mary. I'm just so sick of that. I really like some of their deeper tracks, but 
Yeah. So ultimately going to, but then there's a lot of the sixties folk stuff that I never really got into, but I agree to appreciate yeah. uh, specifically revolving around Neil Young. So when you get into Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash, Buffalo, Springfield, sure. and that that whole crew that was riding together in California really put out some good stuff. But when I was nineteen, twenty, I couldn't give a shit. True. Yeah, and I think it kind of just to be real simplistic about it. I guess it's what speaks to you at whatever particular moment in your life you're at. It, your life experiences can help you interpret lyrics differently too. Yeah. And so I, I was going to lead back into this album then. So has it changed for you over the years? Like how you, like, let's say back in the garage days when you first heard it, I'm sure it's much different now than it was then. Oh, absolutely. Because back then it was all, this music is awesome. And these, yeah. these lyrics just, you know, they're, they're cutthroat. They're, they're biting. We like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because after animals was done, we might put on vulgar display of power or bad motor finger, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it, it, it all, uh, you know, right. And then top it off with Siamese dream. You never know how the weekend was going to go. So it was all about just these lyrics are cool. Whereas these, they don't necessarily mean anything to me. Whereas now yeah. 25 years later, I've, I've been the dog. I've been the sheep. I've been the pig. I've, I've been all these and self-reflective really. You know, it's uh, nobody's perfect. And this album really calls out the flaws in people. If you can, you know, look yourself in the mirror enough. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I'm just, I was just sitting here listening to you thinking, you know, the music, maybe that doesn't really change for you over the years, but I think maybe the lyrics and the way you interpret them and how you've experienced different life events Maybe that's why these certain songs appeal to you more. You, like you were saying, you understand the lyrics more, or at least you have a different interpretation of the lyrics. And maybe that's why you appreciate them more or understand them or view them differently. Well, and like the, uh, you know, all those protest songs in the sixties. Uh, my dad loves those. He, he really, he does. Uh, and uh, none of them really hit to me. Like, wh- what are these people whining about? You know, right. just do your duty, get it over with. I have a different opinion nowadays. I don't regret any of my choices. I still say do your duty and, you know, all that stuff. You have nothing to to, to whine over. However, you know, I, I can understand the, the fear of uh, some of those, as far as the draft and all that, all that stuff. I've been to Iraq. I've, I've done those things. So it's, I've, I understand what they're going through or what they were going through when they were writing it, you know, versus as an 18, 19 year old, uh, you know, stop whining, Joni Mitchell. I don't want to hear your shrill. You know, that's, uh, but I still don't like Joni Mitchell actually. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Just, just so you know, I, I complain about her on deep tracks all the time. (laughs) I'll take Emmy Lou Harris over Joni Mitchell any day. Just, just uh, something about Joni Mitchell. That, that warbling, yeah, crazy. Time if, if there's a if there's a track on the last waltz that I skip, it's her shrilling <laughs> coyote. I just can't stand it. So when we go to our short list of albums out, she will not be on there. I'm, I'm guessing. 
Well, the last waltz is on there. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, so let's go to that. You want to go to that? What, what did not make your list so, that, that you wish we would have time to discuss? So uh, right off the top of that is, is definitely the band, The Last Waltz. Yeah. Uh, that's uh we talked Excellent. about it you know, pretty pretty well in our round table yeah. but it's if anyone has not listened to that or watched the concert please go do so it's 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 amazing just the amount of sheer talent and who make who who graces their who graces that stage yeah is remarkable it's it's really amazing that it, it was all put together that it all kind of went off relatively without a hitch and even with all the Cocaine Drugs. backstage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but with, and then it, it ends with uh, everybody coming back on stage with Bob Dylan and the band singing now shall be released you know, it's, and forever young. Great, great ending. Really yeah. a great album. Yep. Um, uh, another one that I almost brought up was queen a night at the opera. Yeah. That is, uh, that's the one with Bohemian Rhapsody, which, uh, when I, uh, when I bought my first set of CDs that I mentioned on the round table, uh, I went with queen night at the opera, but wasn't the first one I grabbed. The first one I grabbed was the Wayne's world soundtrack. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and my dad stopped me. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, trust me. <laughs> it, you know, get this. I'm like, all right. Thank goodness right. for guidance. <laughs> <laughs> Parental guidance. It, it, it's, it's, uh, when it works, it's on. <laughs> uh, but that is a, that's a, uh, an amazing album and yeah whether you're just a fan of freddie mercury and his vocals but the music behind it all uh, i know they mock it not mock it but it's it's kind of a meme nowadays with bohemian rhapsody the movie where it's like here's where the operatic section k- kicks in you know, but the the music in there brian may is a fantastic guitar player and Absolutely. he is all over that album and every song is different. That's what I like about it. So there's, you know, comes off with death on two legs at the beginning. Yeah. Excellent. Goes into lazing on a Sunday afternoon, which is like some weird ass, I, I don't know, British thing about frolicking <laughs> on the you know, cliffs of Dover or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, there's so many weird songs. There's a song called 39, which is like my favorite one on the album, which is sung by Brian May. It's Roger Taylor. Uh, yeah. And Roger Taylor has these high notes in there and, uh, it's a, it's about an actual, uh, space mission that goes awry and come, they come back, you know, years later and he's looking at his kids, but they're older than him because time flows different. It's like, Oh, wow. In your eyes, through your eyes, cry to me. It's like, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's a great song. Yeah. Wow. I, I might have to go back and listen to that. I haven't heard that album in a while. Another one on my list is Jackson Brown running on empty. Yep. That is a, a an album that my, uh, my dad listened yep. to a lot and uh, I stole his cassette on that one uh, running on empty and the ending of mm-hmm. stay uh, great stay the loadout. Yeah. Those are, those are two that you hear on the radio a mm-hmm. lot, but in the middle, you've got some really, really good songs like the road shaky town, cocaine, uh, cocaine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> cocaine is a great Rick, song recorded in a champagne, Illinois holiday Inn. holiday Inn. Yep. Is that the one with Glenn Fry on it too? I think, uh, I don't know. Is might be Rosie. Well? I forgot about Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. That, that is a, it's a, there's not a bad track on that album. Uh, and then, uh, last uh, I'll mention, uh, Eagles hell freezes over, which, mm. That's an interesting, that's an interesting choice. Hell Freezes Over came out in 94. 
So I was 14 and I was a big Eagles fan already. And right. as everybody else was really into grunge in my group, grunge and alternative, you know, pumpkins, Pearl Jam, all that. I was the only one who really loved the Eagles. And all of a sudden they're reuniting. They're doing an MTV unplugged performance. This is for me. <laughs> right. I loved it. I just, I, I still have the VHS of it. I don't have a VCR anymore, but I have the VHS taped it off MTV. And uh, from the beginning with the acoustic uh, Spanish guitar on hotel, California, which is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they have some really great um, versions of some, some solo tracks too. You've got New York minute. And yeah. um, uh, if you're watching the actual recording uh, or if you have the MP3 on the side, it wasn't on the album, but uh, help me through the night, Joe Walsh, Mm. Uh, all and, and then you also got Pretty Maids All in a Row, The Last Resort, yeah. and then I actually like the new songs they put on that album mm -hmm. with The Girl from Yesterday and Learn to Be Still. The Timothy B. Schmidt song I could do without. I just nah. I, <laughs> those those were like I don't know soft rock yacht rock kind of radio hits. Yeah. That's, that's not I didn't really care for those, but uh, but I do love the other one. Get over it. That was the their other one. Yeah, get over it. Yeah. And doesn't uh, Axel contribute lyrics? background vocals of that or something does he really is he on is that the one where he's get over it? i don't know he's on one of those oh maybe it's i, I just remember from get over he's got a uh, uh, old billy was right let's kill all the lawyers kill him tonight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don henley's another one that's done a lot of good for this world but his uh i, I won't go into his political views <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had the song Axel Helps Don Henley on. I can't think of it. Now it won't back down. Other listeners are probably out there going, it's blah, blah, blah. It's blah, blah, blah. Come on, you know this. Let us know if, yeah. you, if you can think in the, of it. In the comment section below or something. Yeah. Smash that like button. <laughs> Listen to the comments below. <laughs> uh, all right, Steve. Before we wrap this up, um, would you like to tell our listeners what you're working on, if they can find anywhere or? Is there anything you'd like to pitch? I mean, there must be something. Well, obviously, I would like to pitch all of the podcasts from the Sidereal Media Group, specifically Music Rewind and Cinema Decon. And I want to thank all the listeners and supporters of the show. Our Patreon is growing. These are just side projects for me, and they're a lot of fun, and I hope to keep them going as long as I can. Uh, season two is shaping up to be a lot of fun, lining up some really good guests, uh, some other podcasters, musicians, and just basic diehard music fans from all over. Uh, there is a link on our website for those who would like to apply to be on the show. If you got an album you want to talk about, you can find us in all the usual places on the interwebs, your, your Twitters, your Instagrams, Facebooks, etc. Uh, if you tweet at them, you're pretty much tweeting at me. So you know, I'm kind of running the show on all that. I'll be doing a small guest spot on the Jacked Up Review Show podcast uh, sometime next year. I'm going to do a little take on the Eagles. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, please, if you haven't already, check out our Patreon. It's uh, got all of our future shows. So as, as of this recording, you've got our roundtable on there. You've got the Radiohead episode. You've got the Kiss episode. And soon you're going to have the Sunny Day Real Estate episode. Granted, this is the season finale, so those will all be public by the time. <laughs> this goes live uh, uh, thanks to our patrons especially our high value ones like Danny and Luke uh, they paid more so I got to give them a shout out absolutely so you did you did listen to Al, uh, animals a lot then over the past 
Oh man, I I would yeah, I wasn't kidding. I I'd probably listen, let's see, I listened to it one, two, three. I, I think I listened to it three times today. Just <laughs> I, I did today for obvious reasons, but it, when I go into the the day of a recording, I'm 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 listening to that album over and over again in my yeah I got, yeah same same but uh but over the over the Christmas break here ever since the round table I've pretty much been just hardcore just animals just making yeah. notes <laughs> and I real I really think that that got lost for me that album just it fell through the cracks for me because I can't remember the last time I ever even heard it maybe I never heard it I don't know but yeah then when I when you brought that up and I started listening to it, like, Oh my gosh, how could, how did I miss this? Well, I'm glad I returned the favor then you, you gave me so many albums over the years. I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to, to bring something back to the front of your mind there. Yeah, that's yeah. Thank you. I mean, it, and that's the beauty of this whole thing. I mean, I know I keep saying it over and over, but you just, you go back and you discover and maybe rediscover it like it's been that long, but and then get a whole new appreciation for it. And that's, I think that's the whole, to me, that's the whole idea. All right, Steve, well, I'd like to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit with you and talk about animals from Pink Floyd. And thanks for uh, doing this uh, Flip the Script. This was your idea, actually. I'll give you full credit for that. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. You think uh, anybody else will want to come on here and uh, do the same? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll end each season this way. I'll, I'll come back on and talk the last waltz. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. We'll, we'll go track by track, and we'll we'll drag down Coyote from Joni Mitchell. <laughs> 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 Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. And as I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.